anyone that was involved in the industry in 2012 will know that was an exciting time. Most of the beers were terrible, but but we still drank it and we just said, this is craft beer, it's awesome, you know, and like how excited people get about Bitcoin, it was like more exciting than that. <laughs> Event organizer's job is literally just, you plan as much as you can to a point, and then after that, you just solve problems. Today we are visiting Pretoria, Tswane, the capital, home to Capital Craft Beer Academy and the biggest craft beer festival in the country. My name is Holger Meyer and this is Beer World. Johan Oriakum. Yes. Say that for me in France. Oriakum. Johan, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're one of the big hitters in the craft beer industry, so it's, it's a real privilege to have you here and one of the big hitters that doesn't think he's a big hitter. There's so many different sports in this industry, you know, maybe in one of them we're hitting something. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, where you grew up and where did you get that funny surname? So, um, I was born in France. Uh, my mother's an um, Afrikaans Burki and my dad was working here in South Africa for a, for a telecommunications company from France called Alcatel. So they met, they fell in love and... Uh, as a result of that, there's also a, another sibling. There's two of us. So anyway, so we, um, I grew up in France. We lived there. Between there, we actually lived, we even lived in Morocco. We, I did grade one. I did in China, communist China. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, we still have some Chinese furniture. When I open the, the cupboard, you, it smells still like, like China. <laughs> you get those memories. But anyway, and then we moved back to South Africa in 1991. As a family? As a family. My dad still lived abroad. He was working um, during, in the 90s, he was working mostly all over Africa. So he was um, all over the place. And then my mother was, um, is a professor. So uh, in, in public administration. So she ended up, um, she was a Tunisia. She did a doctorate. She actually did um, won the, the Chancellor's Prize. So there's a, but they say the brain skips skips a generation, so my kids are pretty clever, I guess. <laughs> I think I was very privileged that I was able to travel from a young age and see different things. For me, for instance, let's say from a young age, I was I was already used to seeing many different beers and things. It was always to me very weird that there wasn't so many, and always from a young age, I always wanted to have, I wanted to have a bar, and, I, and my idea was always that. The bar will have other beer, <laughs> you know, and um, and so I guess in the end you you go full circle like two three times and then uh, <laughs> you end up having that bar with the beer, you know. <laughs> so now I can't ask you how you find a passion for beer because it sounds like it was at a very young age. You know, we we grew up watching Simpsons, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so and then and then you went, you did the boys' eye uh, and and Tucky's thing, hey? Yes, I went to um, boys' eye, and then I, I went to Tux. I I studied ironically, I studied business management, but I was never really into varsity. I was into playing drums, and music was yes. uh, everything I loved. But my mother always said, she's like, no, you're gonna finish this freaking degree. You're doing this. You know, I've put up with you quite a while now. You're finishing this thing, and I must say, the one thing she always said. Um, I'm going to teach you in Afrikaans, it's called Eito Firmua. Yeah, and tenacity. It, tenacity. And she always said, you know, I'm going to force you to finish this. 
And then in the end, you know, I, I finished it. And, I, and it, really, it really did teach me that, you know, it was the first time in my life that I had to finish something that I did not like. And you just had to finish it. And it, it opened up like a whole, it, it blew my mind, man. <laughs> and after that, like everything is, life has actually been easy. You know, nothing is effort anymore. It's great. So. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. With you, everything looks easy. Why is that? <laughs> I think it's because, um, you know, we've always, we've come from, obviously from music. So I was playing in a lot of bands. Um, I had a band, Kid of Doom. We used to play a lot of shows like Opikopi and Ramfest. And it was, a, and then being like a student in varsity and you're like playing on the main stage at Opikopi. It's quite a cool, quite a cool gig, you know. <laughs> And then after that, after varsity, it was like, um, okay, now I've got to go find a job. And then I had this friend, um, Dominique Gavlovsky from Cape Town. She was the manager for a band, Lock. And she was like, she wants to start a business. And I was like, well, I also want to start a business. Let's start a business together. <laughs> and then we started this business, Grit. It was first mm. like a band management business. We were managing a lot of bands. Like we did the first just for Astro Electric and Lock and Isochronous and Kid of Doom was on there and a few shows for wrestlers, a whole bunch of bands. Then we started doing festivals and then we started liking doing festivals. And then my primary thing became eventing with doing festivals, working on festivals, organizing, you know, we had a festival, Griet Fest, where we'd literally, mm. it was in Newtown, we'd close, we'd close the streets, you know, and it was like an insane festival. And, and we were like 25 year old kids organizing these festivals. <laughs> 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 and how did you pull that off? Was it just ignorance or was it uh, because you, you I, got some special I, skill? I think it was ignorance, but we, I think we were fast learners as well. Okay. And there was a whole bunch of us, you know, that were crazy enough and together it, it balanced. <laughs> 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 and then actually from eventing, that's where the craft beer thing came for me because then I was invited to come work on the first Josie Craft Beer Festival at Pirates Club in Johannesburg in 2012. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> These early festivals were good, eh? This was a crazy festival. I, I think about, I reflect back on it quite often because it was um, Jason Cedarwall, um, who a lot of us know as a legend, um, he, he was a very big mover in the beginning of the industry. Yeah. And he, um, he approached Blaze and Elaine. And Blaze and Elaine were, we were all colleagues together in eventing and stuff. To, and he wanted to do a beer festival. I think by that time there had only been one Clarence Beer Fest and also one, I think, Cape Town Festival of Beer maybe. But it was, for everyone, it was a foreign language mm. for all of us. All of us were like, it just happened. And in that festival, it was actually so badly organized because it was the first time ever something like that. So, you know, I remember, I remember the brewers. There's like, there was Clarence was there. Boston mm. was there. Mitchell's was there. Cockpit was there. The chameleon was there. Um, Draymond's was there. So many were there, but there was only like only one of the brewers actually had a stand and it was Mitchell's. Everyone else had like these cheap gazebos that they quickly <laughs> bought at, on special at, at game or whatever. And, they were like decanting out of bottles that don't have labels on them. And, you know, <laughs> and everyone, I remember after that fest, everyone was so tired because it was just queues the whole day and 
the festival was sold out and people started jumping over the fence to get in. And I remember like a lot of the brewers, their knuckles were like bleeding from all the bottles they had to open that day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow, those are, those are wonderful memories, eh? Oh, that was good. Do you still have contact with Jason? I still have. Um, me and Jason, we talk maybe like twice a year. We yeah. send each other like a message. Yeah. I, I think it'll be more me sending him like, hey, motherfucker, how you doing? <laughs> 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 and he's um, oh, he's got awesome stuff always going on. His yeah. restaurants in Joburg okay. are great. You know, and, and he's such a, he's such a, he's got such a good palate that whenever he, you know, you go, you go to something that he's involved in, it's always excellent. Mm. Mm. Okay. I didn't realize he had restaurants. And then at that, uh, yes, um, what's it called? Co-coalition. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then, um, then at um, that festival, I actually met Natalie from ah. Clarence Beer Festival. And then she actually invited me to Clarence Craft Beer Festival to come help as a project manager in 2013. Yeah, and that was quite fun. That's why I met, like, at that festival, I met more the the farm brewers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And was it also already in the in the square there? It was in the square. It was there, it was 2013. So that was their second, no, their third, it was their third beer festival. She invited me in, and then it was, um, I brought in some of my suppliers and people, and she, then Natalie's, super organized so everything was mm. she already the vision was already there the the legacy we know today it was already there and then um and then after that festival it was literally natalie and then we're like yuan you need to do this in pretoria and then um yeah. and then that sparked sparked a little flame you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and your first one was when it was that same year, 2013. It was in July. Okay. We pulled it together. I actually, it was, I wanted to do a beer festival in Pretoria. And then I approached um, um, my business partner today, which is um, Neil um, Hank and Villy. We had done many events, me and Hank and Villy were doing like things at Hotbox. They had like a house. There was a grandmother's house. We we're doing crazy parties there. But anyway, we were all doing a lot of events together and we kind of broke up for a while. And then this was kind of like the reunion, you know. Okay. And then it was just one of those reunions that uh, now it's a, a long-term relationship, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's serious yeah. now, you know. It's a family. <laughs> now we all have yeah. kids, you know. Like when we did the first beer fest, 2013, yeah, we were still, Hank was like 20, I think he was 21. Yeah. I was uh, 20 or 22. I was 26. Or t we were still, we were just, we were very naive. <laughs> Where did you have it? It was originally at the Foot Tracker Monument. Okay. Yes. And and then when did it move to the Botanical Gardens? We were at the Foot Tracker Monument for three years, I think. We started slow. Uh, the the thing we always said was, we don't want to go big too fast, because then you like burn your fingers and people yeah. have a bad experience. And that time there were so many people were doing beer festivals, but a lot of them were like flops. So yeah. it was it was very yet to be. So we literally just said, you know what, let's keep it at two and a half thousand people. We sold out the first year. Then the second year we said, okay, let's make it 4,000 people. Mm. Then we sold out. Then the sec third year we went to five and a half, but then the venue got too small. So that's when we mm. decided, okay, maybe it's time for us to move to another venue to allow the, the event to just 
because we we uh, the, well, in, this year is the first Capital Craft Beer Fest where we won't be showing a growth in attendance. But the reason for that is because of the 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 regulations in place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. all right. We'll take it. We'll take it. At least yeah. we, we're a bit rusty, so maybe we should just put the practice wheels back on again. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, we we over the moon excited for the beer fest. Coming up next week, um, it's been a, you know, we love the festival. We love doing festivals. And, you know, we've, we've this year, we've redone all our, our, our flags. We've redone so many of our decor elements, you know, to expand the beer fest, the magnitude of it. Like the previous one, the last one we did was just over 11,000 people. You know, we literally have a 12-meter container that is our entire festival kit is in there. And it parks on a farm. And when it's beer fest, the truck goes, loads this, 12-meter container, drives it to the gardens, unpacks it, we open the doors, we pull out all the flag poles and the and the bunting and the and the um and equipment and office equipment, everything, and then after everything is out of this container and all the decor and all the all of it, then all that's left is these built-in tables, and then it becomes our production office. You know, <laughs> anyone that's at Cabergraf Beerfest that sees me there wants a tour of the production office is welcome to come see. It's so this is the first time we got the container coming out to a venue again, you know. <laughs> so how many people are you expecting? 11,000. We've been approved by um, City of Chuane for, um, for um, I'm going to say, a very acceptable amount of people. So it's going to be a good one. Okay. It's going to be fun. Um, if I look at the ticket sales, how it's going, it's definitely going to be sold out. So we're excited for that. We're excited to just just for a, it's just a nice happy ending, you mm. know. <laughs> but um, oh, we're just excited to have Pretoria out again, watching yeah. the music, you know. You know, we're doing three stages again. We've got the the main stages, Garden Zoid and and A King and oh, I mean not A King, Bongiziwe Mabanla. Then we've got the second stage where we're having A King and Dan Petlansky and Bad Peter. And then we got um, the forest stage where we're doing um, Cantina Brass. It's like a 30-piece brass band from Pretoria, and they just got their own stage, oh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where did you find them? I mean, what? They're from Pretoria. So in Pretoria, there's a lot of, um, like, um, orchestra groups or okay. music groups or choirs. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, a lot of these bands, obviously you've worked with them for many, many years, and do you, I mean, you've tell us about the relationships you have with all these Crazy artists. <laughs> oh, the bands are good, eh? We love uh, our relationship with the bands. Um, it was fun because look, we always we come from a music background, so we always said we want the beer, we want the festival to be um, about beer, mm. about music, and about food. Mm. So those are the three things we have at the beer fest. You know, beer, music, food. Like when we book the food, we don't book ten burger stands. We book one burger stand, one. One stand for dessert, that's waffles. One stand doing smoked meats. One stand doing, doing um, let's say, Malaysian food. One, so it's, so it's literally because people come and they don't eat once. They eat like two, three mm. times in the day. Everything is well curated. You know, everything is made that people can just come and really just enjoy themselves. We, we host the festival always the day before Father's Day, so mm. it's a good excuse to bring Dad out, you know. <laughs> He's not going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to the festival the most because I'm, I'm obviously the festival director for the festival. So my job starts already 
the day after the festival. And then I work the whole year and get everything in place. And then on and then on the day, I work up to about two o'clock, three o'clock, and then I plug my earpiece out my ear, I switch off my radio, and then I start brewer stand number one. Let's drink some beer. Yeah. And then I move number two, number three, number four, and then I just go all the way around. And then normally I I actually hitch a ride to the restaurant with one of the brewers, you know. <laughs> and how many brewers are there this year? Uh, this year we've got 30. Uh, normally we obviously do about 40. But obviously we work on a ratio. It doesn't help. Um, we overbook on brewers mm. and everyone is just standing around there doing a marketing size. It's um, It's got to be fun for the brewer. It's got to be fun for the customer. And it's got to be fun for us. So this way everyone is having a good time. I think the brewers are going to spin a little bit. I think um, I think we're all going to spin a bit. It's our first proper festival. I think even the, the consumer is going to spin a little bit. <laughs> but uh, but but like the to understand like the beer festival. Literally, we have MTN brings in like towers for signal, so we have enough signal for the card machines. You know, FMB brings ATMs. Capitec brings ATMs. You know, we have the police there. We have. We have um, ambulances. It's it's crazy the all the planning that goes into it. You know, Gau train is involved this year in a very good way. So we got buses, free buses from the Gau train station straight to the festival. So anyone coming from Joburg or um, or Centurion, you just get on the Gau train. The bus is there, ready to take you to the festival. It's it's um I've always liked when you go to international festivals where you always feel like the you don't feel it's only sponsors. You feel the communities involved. You feel you feel like you see the universities involved. Like this year, we've got the Tux Microbrewery. They're going to be brewing a live brew next to the Brewcroft stand. And then I've also got a lot of their members helping out on some of the brewer stands. Okay. So the university's there. You know, the, the, the TUT eventing department, you know, their students are, are the parking monitors and the gate management and the mug packers you know they all involve first year students that are starting to be event organizers they're all there you know then we've got clamber club who does like the kids area and they like the local kids area provider and then how trains involved and you know the police silverton police always do a good job to assist as much as possible you know everyone the city of china everyone just wants people to go out have a good time and to make a and to make you know the china region a place to be proud of, you know, <laughs> the capital city, Pretoria, you know. <laughs> Besides Capital Craft, what is the craft beer scene like? You've got you've got some of the oldest brewers. Uh, Pretoria's got obviously we got um, Draymond. Yeah, I'm sure Draymond's is number two or number three oldest still active microbrewery, and then we have obviously some new guys like let's say Fry's Habit, mm. which um they run a small little brewery out of Silverton, but they're selling. A lot of beer at Capital Craft, okay, and a lot of awesome beer. And then there's obviously I was today even at Hazel Dean. Mm. You know they literally they're like they're like months away from opening up. It's looking amazing. That's going to be a huge win for Pretoria to finally have a a brewery that's almost like a new a new a new kind of brewery setup. For Pretoria, that's a really a, a big one. And then another good one, it's not in Pretoria, but is um, Binary Brewery. That's um, just outside Artis, all the Albion Jakes. They finally got their license and they're busy moving and doing stuff, which has been really great. We've had a couple of their beers on tap. 
and they will be at the Kabelkov Beer Festival as well. And you talk about Albi. So I found another brewery in Pretoria is there at the Labora Yard. Yes. So that's where I, I was just looking it up. Albi was there yesterday. <laughs> Can always rely is that on that. Centurion. Yeah. 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 One thing I must say about Pretoria and about Joburg is the home brewing club, the Warthogs, there's a lot of excellent, amazing home brewers. And that normally is a good sign. You know, mm. the fact that the Tux Microbrewery is suddenly very active again and it's climbing means that the Warthogs is now automatically, there's new generation students going to Warthogs. And then when you look again, there's, you know, at the moment, because small scale brewing has become, again, so popular, nothing is stopping a home brewer to go do under license uh, a 500-litre batch or a 300-litre batch and to try his luck and see see if people are actually going to buy it, you know. Mm. Maybe that's, that's the tip I'm going to give people that want to start a brewery. I'm going to say, when you have your recipe, first go do one contract brew of your recipe and then first see if you're able to sell beer. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you can't sell that first 500 liters, then I'm saving you a lot of money before you now go like do the licensing and buy a brewery. And <laughs> Yeah, if you think how long um, Morris contract brewed. Exactly. So, so my background is obviously German beer fest. Did you ever attend uh, the famous festivals at the German school? The Pretoria German School Festival is um, obviously it's one. It's, a, it's I still go. I love it. Mm. You know, it's one that you grow up with that festival. It's yeah. it's what's nice is it's a German festival. So you go, you want to eat your ice bind, yeah. you drink Weiss beer. There's always a bar bands that they fly in from Germany, and it's like it's it's awesome because you get to experience the German way of beer. It's always yeah. and it's family orientated and there's kids running around everywhere and it's always good fun <laughs> yeah yeah slightly different i guess um and when did you start the academy so we um after the first beer fest we mm. always wanted to miengen valley after hotbox had closed we always we'd come together like once a year and we'd be like oh we found this spot maybe we should do like a bar there or a or a club or something and we're always and then of the first beer fest, it was such obviously it was such a a huge success for us. Like people really freaking loved it and enjoyed the beer and it was so fun that we were like, no, we have to, we have to do this now. It's now or never. We need to open a place. And then all of us had kind of been saving money by ourselves individually for when one day this opportunity came. And then I always say our parents knew what we did. Is that we we ended up going to like we went to a uh, we went to a few places and the landlords just kind of laughed at us, <laughs> <laughs> and then we went to the centre we are now, and I think um and then we like chose like the biggest space they got, <laughs> or just two spaces. We said we want both the spaces. We want to make a hole. We want to break the middle wall out, and then we signed a lease that I don't know, I don't know how we did that. Like I think. I think that was actually probably the stupidest thing we ever did. <laughs> was sign that lease. Because, you know, if, if this restaurant didn't open its doors or if we didn't, uh, if it flopped, we would have been, uh, at least we had nothing to lose, but we would have been pretty broke, you know, yeah. with nothing. <laughs> you know, we would have been like, we would have been like, 
fisherman. <laughs> Lost at sea, you know. Lost at sea, yeah. But the landlords will find you even there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they will find you, yeah. And how long did it take to open that restaurant, licensing and all that jazz? We started, we signed the lease literally like 1st of January 2014. And then... um it took like it took maybe like six months. We opened up. We had the beer fest. Then we moved the beer fest to June, because July was obviously deep, deep winter. And then we um, opened up the beer. Uh, we opened up. We did the sorry. We did the beer fest, and the license landed like the week before the beer fest. And we're like, no way, finally, because anyone that's ever opened up a restaurant knows you like the excitement. You sign the lease. You start building. And you're like, yeah. yeah, this is awesome. It's exciting. And you're building. And now you've finished building. And you're like, okay, but now we need still our license. Yeah. And you're like, wait. You know, and then you're like, okay, maybe we should paint this green wall. Maybe we should make it blue. <laughs> 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 and you start doubting yourself. But anyway, and then we were like at the beer fest. We're like, okay, great. We did the beer fest. And literally the week of the beer fest, we opened up the restaurant. We didn't even have, we made, it sounds like a lot of money, but we built that entire restaurant with a million rand. Yeah. Like <laughs> we literally went in there with our own hands and we built that thing. We, the kitchen was still in there, but it was like all this broken stuff from the previous restaurant owner. And then we told the landlord, we're like, we'll buy all of it for 20,000 rand or 30,000 rand or something. They're like, okay, you can, <laughs> <laughs> but it was all broken and messed. And then, and then we literally just opened up and every week, like, you know, money would come in and then we'd just buy a new fridge. Then money would come in, we'd buy like, we'd buy like, finish the cold room, finish the this, buy a new deep fryer, buy, and then it just, yeah, it just carried on. Eh? <laughs> and, and how did you, how did you know what to do? We, at least from eventing, you know, eventing, if you, anyone that's listening to this that is an event organizer or does it as a profession knows that event organizer's job is literally just, you plan as much as you can to a point, and then after that, you just solve problems. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. That's how you did it. <laughs> that's how you did it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's and event organizing 101, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. And at that time, was, was Beer House open already? Beer House was open, they, I think they opened the same time that we hosted our first festival. Okay. So that, no, that was really like anyone... Anyone that was involved in the industry in 2012 will know that was an exciting time. It was yeah. this little, it was this, most of the beers were terrible, but, but we still drank it and we just said, this is craft beer, it's yeah. awesome, you know. And, yeah. we, and it was just, there was so much excitement and there was so much, people were, because it was this new industry, you were meeting new people every day. Mm. People just, like you, excited, you know, it was like, you know, it was like how excited people get about Bitcoin. It was like more exciting than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a wonderful analogy. How many beers did you have to start off? Were there quite a few brewers by uh, then? Yes, when we started. No, there was quite a lot. Well, I'm, I've got here your your book, yeah, which is uh, published 2014. So... Um, the fact that in 2014 there was already a full book of beer, you know, it shows how exciting, <laughs> how exciting period that was, you know. Yeah. So that time it was quite cool. Um, we started with maybe like we had 12 taps, 
Okay. The week we opened, we had like 50 beers. And then the week after that, we had like 60 beers. And the week after that, we had like 70 beers. And then it just kept climbing and climbing and climbing. Yeah. And then it went up to almost 300 beers. Then it went a bit down again. And then now I've kind of just balanced it where um, we're floating always between 200 and 230 beers. The the big solution we found was just pretty much because I like, I like to just phone around and order beer and then it arrives at the shop and PJ, my um, my manager there, what a legend, he knows like he'll see a beer arrive in the shop and he'll know, no, this is not our send it back or look at it and go like, okay, you want ordered this, put it <laughs> in, you know. <laughs> and so we have literally in the shop, we have a printer that prints our menu, folds it and then staples it into a book. And then this menu, you know, changes every week, sometimes even twice a week. It changes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that like must a, be satisfying. It's literally it just carries on and on and on. I've actually now I've brought it down to two hundred again, so I can stock it up again to two twenty before the beer fest. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a wonderful story. Um, you also, I don't want to, I don't want to stop talking about uh, Capital Craft because it's such a such a wonderful place, um, and. But you also started other things. You started the African Beer Emporium. African Beer Emporium is a venue we started in um, in town in Pretoria. It was actually a um, city property. That's like a, they own most of the buildings in town. They were starting um, like a square, like a kind of a precinct that they call okay. O2 Central, and they had like a really great vision for this area. And we bought, we were like, this is amazing. So we first thought, okay, let's make a restaurant. African Beer Emporium in town. Then um, we started there. And then there was issues with the building plans of the actual precinct. And then our license took very long. It took like two years almost before we actually got the license. So in the end, we actually started trading more like as events because then we started okay. getting like temporary licenses. temporary licenses. And then in the end, that venue actually became in the end more of an eventing venue. And it's like, it's amazing. It's like, we still we still have that venue it's such an awesome venue. We have such a good team there. It's Victor and and Alan and everybody there. And we host we host events with like um, with homecoming events. There's an event, um, Twenty Fontaine, which is every first Sunday of the month. And then with Transmixol, we do Transmixol sessions every Thursday. This is my personal favorite event there. We have um, Black Labone. so it's like literally it's like um, it's just live music. So it's um, it's mostly jazz students from the TUT jazz departments and people living in town, but they've, you know, they come and they play, but it's, it's, this event has become, it's probably for me the highlight in any, anyone that likes music. If you go to Black Labone, you walk away and you like feel, you feel like you were just now at like a secret party in Brooklyn, New York, <laughs> and you can't believe what you just saw and wow, what you just experienced and all the people you met. And it's, it's just, it's, it's unreal. You can't even, people won't even believe me now. Yeah. They, you know, when they go to it, you literally, if anyone that hears this now wants to go, let me know and I'll take you. You will love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and who's the creative guy? Who comes up with names like Tswana Fontaine? Tswana Fontaine was actually Hank. Um, um, he's my business partner. He, he, I'm going to give it to him. He coined that name good. Um, yeah. He came with that name. He also came with the name Capital Croft, funny enough. Okay. And um, 
Yeah, no, Hank's actually have been a, he's been a very lucky with the names. Hey? When it comes yeah. to the names, he's just hitting those home runs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then during lockdown, you started Easy Agency. Uh, so we have a holding company called uh, Acme Holding Company, like the Looney Tunes. <laughs> but it's just our holding company. So um, this company owns, obviously, Paul Acoustics, which is our oldest brand mm-hmm. that we have, 12 years this year. And then um, it owns the restaurant, African Beer Emporium, other event, Lentedach, and a bunch of other things. And then we said, in lockdown, we were like, yes, but we're doing so much consulting work and, and um, we've been asked out to do so many random things. Because people don't know anything about, they'll be like, you know, we're doing an event or something. Do you know a guy that does this or that? And then we said, yes, but let's actually, we've always been doing consulting work for um, for corporate people. And we thought, let's just give it a name. Mm. Let's just call it Easy Agency. And we trade it under okay. that. So for instance, in lockdown, we did, we hosted, um, we did the live stream, a host for Garden Day UK out of um, my living room in Pretoria. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had Roald Dahl's uh, daughter read a, read a piece. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part was that then someone hacked into the stream and drew a dick oh, on the screen while she was reading. Uh, just terrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we've always said, we always know someone that can do something. So we always like to connect the dots. So even for instance, another example is for the mines. When lockdown started, they were, before lockdown started, they were considering like, yes, but the mines can't stop. You know, this was now... 2020, the mines can't stop. So we had to do like a feasibility study to see would it be feasible to set up like camps at the mines and then they live in isolation, the miners, in these camps mm. and keep mining. But the terrains were so harsh, it was literally, it was never going to work. So when the president actually, when he said it's lockdown and we're closing the mines, we understood exactly that, you know, this is not, this is obviously very serious. Mm. And then uh, what else did we do? Yes, we did. We do COVID testing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we did COVID testing. We've done a lot of COVID testing, even for SAB, for their like corporate, um, corporate meetings and things. Then we, they have like national meetings all over the place. And then we fly our team out to Durban, Cape Town. We test the guys and they can carry on with their work. eh? (laughs) (laughs) You come up with a lot of things. eh? (laughs) It's hard to say no, you know, we're just these yes guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Johan, let's talk a little bit about beer. What, what tips have you got for, let's let's say, new brewers and then also, I guess, people that know how to brew but don't really know how to do branding and selling? Uh, okay, firstly, let's say, let's say people that know how to brew but don't know how to do branding and selling. I think sometimes... Selling, obviously, is very important. Branding, I feel sometimes, you know, I what I always like about craft beer is that everyone's branding does not look the same. You know, you have these odd brandings. You know, if you put, if you put in our Kennel Brewery next to Draymond's Brewery, it's worlds apart, but both of them have their own charm and their own piece of history. But um, I've actually done, I did a talk about this at Africa, Africa Brew two years ago. Um, sales, how do we say it? Okay, with sales, I always say to the brewers, okay, I said the brewers, it's very important to find in your area already the restaurants that you like going to if you're going to start. Like if you know, like if you know you're always going to Lucky Rodrigo's, that's your local, 
try get your beer into Lucky Rodrigo's because then you're going to be going to Lucky Rodrigo's, drinking your beer there as well, introducing people to your beer there. And you know your beer is going to do well at Lucky Rodrigo's. And then do kind of your area around you, like let's say the restaurants. Like a lot of brewers will put beer into places, but they won't go actually support these places again. And then they can't understand why the beer doesn't sell there. But in the end, if, if a brewer is actually going to the restaurant, it means the waiters are starting to learn his name. And they're starting to, to learn. They see now, let's say, I'm the brewer, Johan. I'm going to the restaurant. Now I say, hello, to waiters. Oh, there's Johan again. Johan is brewing from Capital Beer. And, and, um, and we know him. And, and Johan's always having a conversation to us about his beer. Now when a customer is again in the shop, and you're not there, but they know Johan. They feel confident to sell my beer. They are like, no, we're going to sell Johan's beer. We like Johan. He's cool, you know, and the waiters are going to push it. And then I think, uh, I think Olga, it's a, very, it's a very vague question. There's a lot of things. Let's say, let's take it back. Let's say for a starting out brewer, you're starting out to brew. A lot of times I've had a lot of meetings where guys will come see me and they'll say, okay, they're starting a brewery. And I'll say, okay, awesome. What's your, what's your goal? Now our goal is to take down SAB. <laughs> like, okay, that's a big goal. Um, firstly, I don't think they're the bad guy. Secondly, I think, um, I think you could dream big, but make that maybe your long-term goal. But what's your goal now? What's your expectation? So guys will come and they'll buy a brewery, but they buy already a brewery that takes – it's a thousand liter system. But they they now bring a brewery, building, building a brewery that can take a thousand liters. Now they have to brew a thousand liters, but they don't even know how to sell a thousand liters. They don't even have enough customers to sell a thousand liters. So I always say, start small, like in start literally 50 liters and start bottling that. And even 50 liters low, now you see you can't keep up with 50 liters, then go buy 200 liters. Then you go, okay, 200 liters is working. Now buy another 200 liters so that you can do 200 liter, 200 liter. And then go on and grow naturally because what a mistake a lot of guys made was they go and buy all this equipment and they prepare for this really big brewery and then they don't even reach in the end 5% of their capacity. And then they actually go bust before they even start getting known, which is sad because then you see these guys starting up and you see how it's starting to pick up, but you can see the guys just can't maintain it. I think maybe maybe lockdown and COVID was a good thing because it, it changed the way a lot of people did business. Everyone now is doing business on a small scale and you're rather going, you're rather being sold out before rather than sitting with extra beer and you're building up naturally again. So what I'm seeing now is I'm seeing a lot of brewers who – the guys who made it through the lockdown were the guys that were actually small and they were happy to be small. And they kept pushing it like that. And now, because they were happy being small, they weren't stressing too much during lockdowns. They were actually enjoying themselves. And it was actually fun to drink their beers and they were promoting their beers and enjoying it and not stressing too much. And now they've actually built up these big followings that after COVID, there's now all these new brewers who are doing awesome stuff. You know, it's, I wish I could have a festival with a hundred brewers, you know, but, but I can't, but there's so many guys that are doing just awesome things. How do the imported beers do at Capital Craft? Um, we, obviously we, we are venue that people come to us because we like the mm. beer maker 
or Pretoria. So um, they come to us and it's, people already come to us and it's already someone that mm. likes beer. So one thing that about Belgian beer is you're paying maybe more for it, but it's it's brilliant beer. Mm. You know, it's beer that comes with with stories that are two, three hundred years old. It's breweries that have, you know, they've gone through they've gone through world wars, they've gone through mega mm. recessions, they've gone some of them have even gone through plagues, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is not their first pandemic, you know. <laughs> So for me, the the German, I mean, the Belgian beers are are awesome. Like I really enjoy them. Like even at Capital Craft, we've got La Trappe on tap. We've got Palam on tap. And we also obviously have the commercial beers like Left yeah. and Luch Harden on tap. And then we've got Rod, Rodenbach on tap as well. And then the beers in the fridge do well, you know. I think um, I think the, the Belgian beers were fortunate enough to make it through. The importers kept bringing them in, you know, about... Um, uh, Belgian mm. beer company and Belgian SA, both of them are doing excellent things and were able to manage their stock and have very good relationships with their with their customers. Um, so fortunately, those beers kept. I think a lot of the the UK beers mm. fell off the wagon locally, which is a bit sad. You know, I always used to stock you know Youngs and, mm. and Achfillers and Youngs and Wells, mm. and it was fun to stock that stuff. You know, the London Porter was always a good one and. And Brewdog was obviously coming in mass supply. We used to stop them from an early yeah. stage already. And it was so it was mm. awesome, you know, and it was cool having those beers and and then obviously a lot of them have on coming in, but I'm sure they will start coming yeah. in again very soon. You know, there's always someone, a supplier that wants to try something new and bring something in. And also, you know, in the world, um, things will come become back to normal. People will be back on the normal volumes again. I think what's probably gonna affect us the most with beer from Europe is probably actually the war in Ukraine. You know, there's already a lot of breweries and things starting to struggle on that side because of the Ukraine war. I think we don't realize the big impact that has on them. So probably we will see some shortages on things because the brands there have taken a knock. I suppose we've always had German beer in South Africa, so it's not, it wasn't such a big um, excitement to, you know, as compared to the the Belgian beers. Pretoria has always been a big supporter of German beers. No, German beers yeah. flies in our restaurant, you know, the, we, we, you know, I think, I think it's true because Weissbier in Pretoria does have a big mm. German, um, German population as well. But, um, but it is nice now if you think, you know, before you couldn't get yeah. Dinkles, you couldn't get Hofbrauhaus as well. And it was normally, you were lucky if you found Erdinger. Now it's like Erdinger, Polana, Hofbrau. Um, there's so many of them going around and we have Erdinger on tap. And it literally, it's not like my fourth or fifth best-selling beer yeah. on tap, which is mental. You know, it's, it's people are drinking it and a lot of it. And obviously German beer culture is awesome. You know, it's just having a good time, eating food. Drinking beer, yeah. <laughs> and it's and family is welcome. Family is welcome. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's a big thing. Hey, you've got so much eventing experience. I think we should organise a trip to Belgium and and Germany and and just go on a beer tour. Definitely, I think uh, I think uh, I think it can. We can do it over. We can do like a, a three year three year road trip. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor can join us. Yeah, Trevor can join us <laughs> once he's retired. <laughs> Where can people find you online? 
Um, the beer fest is um, well, Capital Craft. They can just go to uh, capitalcraft.co.za. On there, you'll find links to all our social media and all our things. And then uh, me, they can find me normally uh, in the cold room at <laughs> Capital Craft having tequilas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to our stories here online. In the show notes, you will also find a link where you can subscribe to become part of our community and be notified when we upload our latest content.